You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to Rum Buncher Radio, Trey Anity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso back with you for episode number seven. We are joined again by Cody Patenko. Cody, great to have you back on. Tell us about some of the interviews you've been doing since we last had you on, kind of what's going on in your life, and how excited are you that Pittsburgh Pirates baseball is now only 12 days away? Hey, what's up, boys? I'm I'm glad to be back. Uh it's been an exciting, you know, couple couple days, couple weeks, I guess you maybe you could say, I don't know, the days run into weeks to months. And I, I don't know what day it is anymore. But um, I've been, uh, you know, I, I talked to one of my favorite players of all time, uh, recently, Jack Wilson, you know, shortstop extraordinaire. Uh, the guy got snubbed, never won a golden glove. And I'm gonna petition the MLB for that one day, I swear to God. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm real excited about baseball being back, man. I mean, hopefully, you know what I mean? I'm hoping baseball is back. I'm not, not going to put all my eggs in one basket. No kidding, man. As we continue to get closer, I think everybody continues to get a little bit more nervous that we might not be able to come back, but there's something that tells me that we are going to have baseball, maybe not 60 games, but in some form or fashion, it is going to come. We've talked about it on pretty much every single episode we've had this season, but things are going to be a whole lot different. And as we get closer, we see more and more players continue to opt out and decide they do not want to be a part of this season. Some bigger names have begun to put themselves through this process. David Price pretty much highlighting that group. Um, Players now testing for the virus as well, raising some concerns. What do you guys feel? Is this the right move for players that have not yet had the virus? ones that have had the virus, just the whole opting out in general. Do you guys agree with these players? You know, where I come from, it, my uh, wife, she's a type 1 diabetic. And, you know, that's something that not everyone in my life knows about. And so where I'm going with that is a lot of these players, you don't know what they have to worry about in their families, you know, who they could potentially be exposing, whether it's someone who has 
you know, a um, disease such as my wife does or, you know, just elderly parents or something like that, uh, cancer survivors, anyone like that can be really affected by this virus to what, you know, has been out there. So I think we have to give the players the benefit of the doubt when it comes to this. These guys have been playing baseball their whole lives. They love the game, obviously. A guy like David Price, you know, one of the biggest competitors in the game over the last decade. So I don't think they're opting out for selfish reasons by any means. I think they're they're in their rights if they, you know, are doing it for personal reasons that they don't necessarily have to explain to us. I agree with Nick completely. Um, like he said, his wife has type 1 diabetes. My wife has lupus, so she also has basically zero immune system. So, you know, we've been very cautious during all of this. So, like he said, players in situations like that, I don't blame them at all for being super cautious, for opting out. To be totally honest with you, if I were a Major League Baseball player this year having a wife with lupus, I would opt out of the season. There's no shot I would take that risk. You know, you look at a player like Buster Posey, one of my favorite players in the game who opted out because he and his wife just adopted twins that were born prematurely. And not only do they have infants at home, they have infants who were born prematurely. So they're really going to be at risk with that. So I don't blame Buster at all. Anything I applaud him for opting out, I would, to me, I think it would be irresponsible for someone in a situation like that to play this year. So I don't think any player who opts out this season should catch any flack from anybody, especially like Nick said, these guys love the game. They want to play baseball more than just about anything in the world, but probably the one thing in the world they want to do more than play baseball is keep their families healthy. And the guys who are opting out, that is their main driving course behind it to keep themselves, their loved ones, their children, their parents, whoever might be healthy. I think we forget that these guys are human. You know, we we put them on this pedestal that uh, there's some sort of, you know, foreign alien that we've never seen before. And when they make human-like decisions, we automatically bash them for thinking about themselves and then their families. You know, it's not always about the money. It's not always about the game. It's about life outside of the field. And I think you guys touched on that. You guys hit it right on the nose. This is so much deeper than just a game of baseball. This is lives. This is livelihoods. And moving forward, Baseball could look a whole lot different if certain players don't opt out and do what's best for their families and for themselves. But that being said, a lot of rosters are going to be much different than what we expected back in January, February, before uh, we knew what was going to happen with this crazy 2020 season. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Some guys have tested positive. Blake Cedarland, Socrates Brito, we mentioned it last week. Let's get an update on them and kind of where we expect to see this roster as we get closer to opening day. Yeah, I think, you know, your opening day roster at this point, it's tough for any team, the Pirates included, to really say, hey, this is going to be opening day roster because every day you're having players test positive. I mean, you just had Rolls Chapman, for example, test positive earlier today. Um, like you said, Trey, with Cedarlin and Brito. Brito has, since, since testing positive, has had his two negative tests. He is back working out with the team. Um, obviously the bigger blow there are the two is Cedarland because Cedarland probably had a real opportunity to be in this bullpen on opening day with the expanded rosters. So I think, you know, you can have a general idea of what the opening day roster will look like. That's something we've been talking about on the site within the last few days. We've had our projections for the bullpen, for the bench, for the lineup. We will have the projected starting rotation up on the site either Monday or Tuesday. 
But at a time like this, you know, you, you could order pizza and the delivery guy could drop it off at your house. And next thing you know, you're testing positive the next day. So right now it's very difficult to put anything in stone for any team in baseball. That's 2020 summed up, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think you touched on that with uh, Cedarland being the bigger blow and that's no knock on Brito. He may turn out to be, you know, the next Mike Trout or whatever, but um Cedarland did have uh, the biggest chance to make it on the roster, even when it's taken down to 26, um, especially with this Keone Kella situation. Um, I know we, we, we might want to talk about that a little bit, but uh, Cedarland may have had the opportunity to be, maybe be the setup man or even the closer, uh, depending on birdie season or even Kyle Crick. What do you guys think of that? Yeah, I mean, Cedarland definitely has the stuff that he could be a back end of the bullpen type arm. Like you said, I don't know if he would have won the closer job per se if Kella doesn't show up. But still, he definitely would have had an opportunity to lock down, uh, you know, maybe the potential seven inning job and then start to work his way up and pitch meaningful innings. Um, you know, you mentioned Keon Kella, and one thing Marty and I were discussing earlier, actually. Um, in a text message was that Kella actually has the option to skip all of summer camp. If he wants to, he it's a, it's an optional thing right now. And if he feels he's able to keep his arm in shape without throwing at summer camp, he could walk into the clubhouse technically day one. Like we said to each other, it's Keon Kella. We're talking about, you know, if there's a loophole like that, he's the type of guy that would definitely take advantage of that. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Kella. Um, It's at this point, I would say 50, 50, whether he'll open on the team or not, but, in terms of the bullpen, there's definitely some depth being questioned right now between Kella and Cedarland and, of course, Edgar Santana serving his 80-game PED suspension. The, the bullpen could really be interesting this year. I mean, there's a lot of very electric arms down there, but your two most proven arms coming into the season were Keone Kella, who is off being Keone Kella right now, and we have no idea if when the Pirates are going to see him. And Edgar Santana, who's suspended for 80 games. I mean, Crick had an excellent 2018, fell off the cliff in 2019. You know, you have Michael Fleas, who's been up and down. Nick Birdie, who's got some of the best stuff you'll ever see but can't stay healthy. Richard Rodriguez, who was abysmal last year. So, you know, you're two most consistent, most proven guys. You know you're not going to have one. You don't know if you're going to have the other. And then, like you said, Nick, you have Cedarland testing positive for the coronavirus. And even with the starting rotation, it looks like they're pretty committed to piggybacking Chad Cole and Stephen Brault. So there you have Brault, who has had some success as a reliever. You have Cole, who has the stuff to just be dominant out of the bullpen. They're both going to be starting games. So there really is a lot of opportunity to be had in the bullpen. But at the same time, there are a hell of a lot of question marks in this bullpen. And one guy that I think could take advantage of this opportunity, and I saw that he uh, pitched today, is JT Brubaker. He kind of has been forgotten about because he missed a good chunk of last year with an injury, but he's back and he's healthy and he's throwing. And, you know, he was a guy that looked like a potential depth option early for the team last year, whether it had been as a starter or a reliever. Uh, he's another one. He has a mid-90s fastball with a plus-plus slider. So 
you know, pairing those two things together, he definitely has an opportunity to take advantage of this situation and prove himself to be worthy of a roster spot. Where do you think this puts uh, the trade scenario with Kella if he doesn't uh, show up at all? And, you know, obviously they were looking to uh, potentially trade him at the All-Star break, but clearly that's not a thing now. But do, do you think that he could still potentially be traded? It'll be interesting. I think, you know, if if something happens where Kella never shows up, um, unless it is health-related, I'm assuming he would get put on the restricted list or something of the sort. So, you know, trading him becomes very difficult. And his trade value is going to be way down to begin with because a team could trade for Keone Keller right now. They're only, getting, only going to get him for 60 games before he hits free agency. So you're not going to give a lot up, especially for a reliever, for 60 games. So I, I don't doubt that the Pirates are probably still trying to trade him. We'll continue to try and trade him. I don't think he's the only player on the roster that falls into that category right now. But until he reports, it'll be almost impossible to do. Yeah, I think if we were in a normal year right now, uh, both uh, Keon Kella and potentially Adam Frazier would probably be gone. Uh, I think right now teams are in kind of a hold pattern as well. No one's going to trade assets away to get a pitcher who has had some injury issues the last few years, uh, among other issues, and then maybe not even have a season ever happen. So I think part of, you know, a potential uh, Keon Kella trade would have to do with, you know, if the games actually get started and looks like there's going to be, uh, you know, some sort of playoff or at least season. This whole thing is just going to be so weird for every fresh face and really everybody involved. But you got to think for a guy like Oscar Marin, this is especially difficult because the two guys that have tested positive are pitchers. And now his closer has not reported what's going on in his mind right now. Yeah. I mean, if if I was Oscar Marin, I'd still be pretty excited for the year. Again, not to keep harping on this. I know I mentioned this a lot in the last episode and I'm mentioning it again. Now there are a lot of extremely talented arms in that bullpen that either have had a great season or two in the past and struggled last year, or a guy like Birdie who hasn't been able to stay healthy, a guy like Clay Holmes who just can't find consistency. There are guys down there with absolutely electric stuff. He has all the opportunity in the world, Marin does, to look like a great pitching coach this year. Even with the starting rotation, it's not the same ceiling as his bullpen, in my opinion. I don't think the overall ceiling in the starting rotation right now is very high. But I think Joe Musgrove and Mitch Keller can both be very good starters with Keller having absolute ace potential. Chad Cole, if you get him healthy, can be a very good middle-of-the-rotation type arm. So I think Marin has a lot of talent to work with, but it's going to be difficult. I mean, it's difficult anytime you start as a pitching coach on a new team, especially on a team who had one of the worst pitching staffs in baseball last year. And then you throw in everything that's gone on with the coronavirus and the shutdown and not having been able to work out with all of his guys as a group for the last three months – and there's a lot on his plate, but the opportunity is definitely there for Marin to establish himself in year one on the job as a very good quality major league pitching coach. Yeah, we'll definitely get a sense of how good he is right away. There's The talent is there, and that's what cost Ray Searich's job because he wasn't able to tap into that talent. So, you know, Marin has a guy like Keller who 
by all means, he's been a top one of our prospects since he's entered the Pirates organization and then ended up being one of the top pitching prospects in the game. So if, if Marin can't make him at least look like a competent starter this year, then I think that would, would tell you all you need to know about him. But the good news is, is I think he's going to uh, tap into Keller's potential. You know, one thing I saw Dayon Kovacek from uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports, he was saying that Keller was talking this spring about how pitching up in the zone was completely foreign to him up until this spring. You know, and that's something that we always knew. We knew that Ray Searage wasn't adapting to that pitching up in a zone philosophy like you're seeing teams like Houston and the Yankees do. But to actually hear Keller say that it was uncomfortable for him this spring to do and like because he really never has, it was very surprising. Yeah, yeah. And you also look at uh, the fact that uh, advanced analytics were foreign to a lot of these guys and Oscar Marin uh, from the interviews that I've saw with him uh, seems to be very much infatuated with looking deeper into the numbers like your ex FIP and things of that such. So I think that Marin, like the rest of you guys are saying has uh, all of the talent to coach. Um, and I think Keller is going to be one of those guys that tests uh, Oscar Marin the most. Let's zoom it out a little bit and take a look at the NL Central. We've talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but 40 of their games this year are going to be against the division. The Cardinals are pretty much the consensus favorite to win it at this point, but anything is possible in a 60-game season. Let's start in St. Louis and break down the Redbirds a little bit. Obviously, year two with Paul Goldschmidt. Jordan Hicks was supposed to return at some point this season. It's looking like he's going to be able to play almost all 60 games now. O'Flaherty on opening day. This is where... The Pirates will begin their season. What are you guys expecting out of the St. Louis Cardinals in 2020? Well, I'm expecting them to give me a birthday gift on opening day <laughs> and Flaherty go out there and maybe give up five in the first inning, you know, just to really start off the season and my birthday on a high note. No, but um, <laughs> the Cardinals, yeah, I, they have a lot of talent on their roster. They're always in it. You know, they always have their – triple a call-ups that no one's ever heard of that's going to be in the rookie of the year contention so you know the cardinals have their their evil magic that they always take off with yeah they're the new england patriots of mlb aren't they exactly exactly now of course they're they're, the big issue with with the cardinals this year right off the bat will be paul goldschmidt right in the middle of the lineup the guy has always killed the pirates um you know, and in, in terms of looking at him and then looking at the Pirates lineup, the Pirates are hoping that Josh Bell can turn into that. But Goldschmidt, along with Carpenter, you know, another known legendary pirate killer, Yadier Molina, you know, all the all the usual faces are in the lineup for the Cardinals. And that's one thing that, you know, St. Louis brings to the division every year. It's just that that consistency. Yeah, I, I think the NL Central is going to be wild this year. I think it might be the most competitive division in baseball. I really do. Um, I know whenever Fangraphs did their updated Zips projections, whenever the 60-game schedule is released, they have the Pirates finishing last and finishing six games out of first. They, they have no other division where the last-place team isn't at least 12 games out, let alone six. They have the Pirates with a 14.8% chance to make the postseason, no other division, with the exception of the American League East, 
has more than three teams with a greater than 14% chance to make the postseason, let alone all five. Like, I think this division, I think the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Reds are all better than the Pirates on paper, but I think they all have their flaws as well. Um, I think with the Cardinals, to me, I really, really like the top of that starting rotation. But when you go to the other side of Flaherty and Dakota Hudson and Miles Michaelis, man, it gets scary if you're a Cardinal fan. I mean, Adam Wainwright's about 110 years old. Carlos Martinez, who they is going to be like the second coming of Jesus Christ, has bounced between the bullpen and the rotation in his career. Austin Gomber was a rookie last year. You know, there's a lot of question marks there. But like Nick said, it's the Cardinals. They'll pull somebody up who's never pitched in the majors before, and he'll win the Cy Young this year because that's what they do. But Cy Young Kim, they signed him. Yeah, Young Kim's going to probably come out this year. He'll have fifty flarity. Yeah, yeah, and win the Cy Young because it's the Cardinals, and that's what they do. And everyone will be pissed off at them, but. I think that um, – no, I do think the NL Central is very open this year, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun because especially in a season like this where you're going to play your divisional foes so often and you're only playing 60 games, and as we've said on here before, one nice little like 14-6 and six or 15-5 and five run could set you up to be in it till the end of the year. I think the Central is going to be a wild run, but I do think going into the year, in my opinion, because of the top of their rotation – and the back of their bullpen, along with the lineup, the Cardinals should be considered the favorites. You have no argument for me. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, it's really at this point in the season, is it's kind of the general idea that this team is going to be at the top for most of it, if not at the end of it. But I like that term, Nick, evil magic. I've never really thought about it like that, but it just always seems to fall into place. We just want one season, bad season, St. Louis. That's all we're asking. Like, like, listen, in, in 2015, the Pirates won 98 freaking games. 98 games. That was like the third most wins. That was one of the best teams in the history of one of the most storied franchises in the history of Major League Baseball, and they still couldn't win the division because of the Cardinals. Second best team in Major League Baseball that year. If I didn't loathe the Cardinals before 2015, that season has pushed me over the edge. Like 98 wins, and you still can't win your division because of the Cardinals. I I, I just can't. I, I hate them. I hate them. Unbelievable. It really is. But there's a lot of hate to go around. Let's talk about another team that doesn't necessarily get Pirates fans too excited. The Cincinnati Reds, a very interesting team this year. Kind of a, a strange lineup. They've loaded up their, their rotation a little bit kind of been known to, to now be termed as the sleepers of 2020. What are you guys' thoughts on Cincinnati this year? Yeah, if, if I wasn't picking the Cardinals to win the division, I'd pick the Reds. I, I love their starting rotation. I think Luis Castillo might be the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I feel like no one outside of the NL Central really appreciates how good that guy is. That change is unbelievable. Oh, it's sick. It's, it's disgusting. And you put him with Sonny Gray, who's back on track now that he's reunited with his old pitching coach. I mean, Trevor Bauer, you never know what you're going to get from Bauer on or off the field, but the guy could go out there and throw a no-hitter, and then the next start could give up 10 runs without getting out. But at but, that point, you're talking him as your number three. That's better than yeah, a lot so, of teams' ones. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, their bullpen could be, you know, scary if I'm a Reds fan. But that lineup, man, Vado, Mustakas, Senzel, Gina Suarez, they're going to hit. You know, they signed Castellanos. Like, uh, that team's going to score runs. Well. Yeah. So, I, I, if I wasn't picking – I'm mainly picking the Cardinals over the Reds just because I have more confidence and faith in the Cardinals because they've been there, done that. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Reds wind up in this division. That ballpark is very hitter-friendly as well, and I think that plays in their favor this year. Absolutely. I mean, I think if this was a full 
162 game season between Moustakis with Nick Castellanos, with Senzel, with Suarez, you could be looking at three or four, 30 or 40 home run guys on that roster. Yeah, and it's kind of scary when Joey Votto is out of the conversation for once in Cincinnati, you know, because he was at the pinnacle. Exactly. When you're talking about this team and you're talking about a future Hall of Famer as maybe their fifth or sixth best hitter at this point, especially when he's not, it's not like he's slowed down at all. You know, no. that, that's, that's yeah. crazy. Plus, you have a couple wild cards on their team, like that Aquino who, you know, tore up last year in his limited time, uh, breaking the, you know, the record for home runs in X amount of games. I can't remember. But yeah, yeah. And then you have the uh, Shogo Akiyama who they signed uh, this offseason as well. So he's kind of, you know, he could come over here and find a lot of success or he could be a bust like we've seen, you know, in the past, but they have some wild cards in that offense, you know, that could potentially give them an even more substantial boost. Do you think the height may be too much for them? So that that's interesting, Cody. And, you know, I, that's what I was thinking is, you know, they're kind of like the sexy pick a little bit right now, you know? Yeah, and, and a yeah. lot of times when you kind of see that that team, they often fall flat because they don't live up to expectation. Yeah, I mean we've seen that a lot over the years. The sexy pick was the year when the Padres went out and added James Shields and the Uptons, and yeah, you, you know you just see that. And even I think a big part of that too with the Reds, where it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen. I don't have a lot of faith in David Bell to keep a cool head and uh, kind of right the ship if they hit a rocky patch at all. Like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is just a Pirate fan of me with all the issues they've had with the Reds over the years, last year included. But David Bell doesn't exactly seem like the most stable human being on the planet. So if, if my team hit some rough waters, I don't know if I would trust him to get them back on track either. And you throw a guy like Bauer in there exactly. who's not going to hold back his thoughts yeah. if things aren't going well. It's definitely – you know they they moved on from Puig at least, uh, so that that kind of helps in their clubhouse a little bit. But I feel very confident in saying the first the first team that is going to receive some sort of suspension because of guys charging the mound or trying to start a brawl will undoubtedly be someone from the Cincinnati Reds. I feel very confident in saying that. We'll get the over under on on how many brawls this year for Cincinnati next time around. But let's move it along to Milwaukee. A team that has had success at a high level, found themselves in the wildcard game this past year, lost to the World Series champion Nationals. They return with a less than average starting rotation, but probably the hottest and best bat in Major League Baseball right now. Yelich. What do we see out of Milwaukee in 2020? I think the Brewers um, might have just did what the Pirates did uh, in 2016. They, they, they lost a lot of pieces this off season. Uh, Mike Moustakis, of course, a core piece in their lineup the last two seasons. Um, Ryan Braun's a year older. And then, of course, Yasmani Grandal, who's probably the best all-around catcher, not named JT Real Muto, uh, in the league. And he signed with the White Sox. So that's another big, not only bat, but a big part of their pitching staff uh, that they're losing. So 
those are three significant players. They brought in some interesting pieces. Avicel Garcia, who's kind of had an up and down career, but has some projectable power. But that that's why I think they're kind of doing like the 2016 Pirates. They they cut some of their bigger payroll players, and they're trying to get a little creative. And it's one of those things that I think it makes sense on paper, but it might not exactly work out the way they're hoping on the field. Yeah, I, I really like that. 2016 pirate comparison there i mean you know they're coming off a great season and you still have yelich at the center of your team but like you said that rotation man after brandon woodruff oh, brett anderson josh lindblom has been pitching in korea yeah. eric lauer who average at best you know can freddie peralta find consistency can corbin burns throw strikes and even even their batters i mean like you said they added pieces in the offseason, but it's Justin Smoke. It, it's it's Brock Holt. Logan it's Morrison. Top. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, to be Luis Urias, even. Yeah. A, a top prospect who hasn't been able to hit. Yeah, like, I, I had no idea Logan Morrison was still in the majors, to be honest. Like, it's just they, – they, Eric Sogard. Yeah. Like, Jericho. They, 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 all these shits like random. going to kill the Pirates. He'll, he'll go home runs against them this year still. But like, like their catching situation went from one of the best in the league with Grandal to just like not good. Yeah. So I, I really do think that the Brewers, I think they'll take a bigger step back this season than any other team in the division. And to be totally honest with you, it would not – surprise me at all to see the Pirates leapfrog to Brewers in the division this year. Because, I mean, I, I think Josh Hader and Yelich both are probably better than any player on the Pirates roster. But the rest of the roster is not – I, I just don't see it with Milwaukee. I really don't. Hader is interesting too because, you know, they've really used them heavy the yeah, last few really years. And they had to. They yeah. had to. It, I mean, they were in contention and like, you know, good for them for, you know, utilizing him and trying to win, but eventually that's going to catch up to him. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, this year, maybe in a shortened season, he'll be okay, but it'll be interesting to see when um, all those innings pitch start to catch up to him. Absolutely. Especially with not being a big framed guy, you know, he's six yeah. three. you know, he's yeah, very, he's lean. very lanky. I think he only, I mean, I don't know what his actual weight is, of course, but I think on the on the program weight, he's only about 180 or so. So, like, he's not built, you know, like a tank to really take – like like a Canley Jensen, for example, to really exactly. take the thing on that arm. And it seems like outside of Christian Yelich, Milwaukee's really tried to make Josh Hader the face, you know, the social media guy, the – you know, just kind of the rally point. And I think, like you guys mentioned, that the team's in a, in a tough spot right now because they have some incredibly talented players, but – not a really solid lineup one through nine and, and a rotation that falls off after really one and two. Uh, but let's move it on to the fourth team in the division. The Pirates will have to face a team that has had their ups and downs and is going to come into this year in a weird situation. A fresh face at the helm. David Ross is going to be in year number one as manager. Javier Baez, MLB the show cover boy. Some some interesting uh some interesting facets of this team. What do we see the Cubs do in 2020? I think they're going to fall off starting rotation. Their youngest guy, it looks like, it, what I'm looking here is uh, Alec Mills, who's 29. I mean, the rest is 30 on up. I mean, th- these guys are filled with uh, some geriatric patients, it looks like, at uh, 
starting rotation. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't – if I was a Cubs fan, I'd be pretty leery going into the season. Not that I necessarily think the Cubs are going to be a bad team per se, but not the standard that Joe Madden had set. I mean, like you said, John Lester, you Darvish, not getting any younger. Darvish has struggled since coming to Chicago. I mean, Kyle Hendricks is what he is. Jose Quintana has – that trade's just been a disaster for them considering what they gave up. Tyler Chatwood can't throw strikes. Like, yeah, and then even their lineup. Like, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think Anthony Rizzo has committed to playing it this year, which as a former cancer patient, I can understand why he wouldn't want to potentially take that risk. And if you take Rizzo out of that lineup, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Bryant is a great hitter, obviously. Chris Bryant's one of the best hitters in the league. Javier Baez is awesome. But, man, you, you take Rizzo out of there – who's Kyle Schwarber maybe with his power, you know, Jason Hayward's an all glove player. Ian Happ really struggled last year. So I do, I don't necessarily think the Cubs are going to be a bad team, but I I do think that you're going to see the Cubs like Milwaukee take a step back from where they have been in recent seasons. Yeah, Marty, I think you're right. I think when you're looking at the Cubs, their strength is in their lineup. And like you said, Rizzo obviously is a key part of their lineup. But even even with him out of there, there's still, you know, a lot of good bats in there that can do damage to you. So the pitching, though, like you guys all said, very, very old at this point. Lester, you could really start, start seeing him decline over the last uh, season and a half or so. Like Marty said, Jose Quintana, he's been mediocre since coming to Chicago and I guarantee they wish they could have that trade back. And outside of that, you Darvish, he's another one when he is when he is healthy, he has not done very well since leaving Texas. Uh he didn't do very well at the Dodgers either and I don't know if it's uh once again innings catching up with him, injuries kept catching up with him. But they, right, they have a lot of question marks there. And I know looking at their AAA system, they don't exactly have a lot of top pitching prospects knocking at the door either. So their pitching definitely could be their downfall. But it might look a lot better on paper just because they have some names on there. Javi Baez making it. Yeah, I think Javi Baez, excuse me, Javi Baez and Bryant, definitely help with that. And like you said, Nick, with the pitching, I think the names are more than anything. Like I pulled it up here real quick. Darvish with the Cubs, first off, he's only made 39 starts because of injuries. And his ERA is over four. His FIP is four and a half. His walk rate is through the roof. He's allowed nearly 1.7 home runs per nine. Like he, he has not been good with the Cubs. And they're paying him a heck of a lot of money to go pitch well, and he's just not done it. Yeah, like Marty said, they're paying him a lot of money. Uh, Darvish, he signed a six-year, $126 million contract, so they're paying him about $21 million a year. Um, you know, he's 33 right now, and that contract takes him through the end of 2023. So if if those innings and injuries are catching up to him now, they're still on the hook for 2020, 21, 2022, and 2023. And I mean, his contract goes down over those years, but the lowest amount he'll make is still 18 million, which is, would be the highest on the Pirates roster by far. So <laughs> obviously that 
is a nice chunk of change that's going to uh, handcuff them. I think you're going to see a lot more fans with the White Sox. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I have a hard time envisioning Darvish finishing up that contract with, with the Cubs. And like you said, Cody, I think the White Sox, I, we touched on this a little bit in the last episode, very quietly, the White Sox have put together maybe the best young core in baseball. Exactly. And I think you're going to see a lot of people in Chicago oh, yeah. gravitate towards the White Sox in coming years. Like, I, I'm – I'm stoked that the Pirates play the White Sox this year and next now because I, I, I truly believe that the White Sox are going to be one of the best teams in baseball and for quite a while and soon with, with that core they've put together. Although they did lose Kirpik. Yeah, he opted out. He opted out, which would be nice because the Pirates don't have to get mowed down by him a couple times this year then. <laughs> I was just going to say, especially with that AL Central, the White Sox can take that over easily. I mean, the only competition is the Twins, and I don't know much about them. You know what I mean? I don't think. Yeah, even the Twins is weird because, like, yeah, last year Minnesota won 96 games or whatever it was, but they came out of absolutely nowhere. You know, and mm-hmm. with teams like that, you've always got to be leery. Can they repeat it? And the rest of that division, man, the Tigers stink. The Indians aren't as good as they were a few years ago. The Royals stink. The division is definitely there for the taking. Oh, yeah. Plus, with the Twins, I heard they lost one of their uh, best hitting coaches. So, Oh, did they? I didn't even hear that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think, who was that? Derek Shelton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Shelton. That's right. Was he the hitting coach? I knew you were going with it, Nick. I was just letting you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, Nick. I think, uh, I think they might uh, be a little bit shorter-handed there in Minnesota after some hirings that took place down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it's going to be really exciting to see what happens with those hires as we move forward. Like we uh, we broke it down tonight with the bullpen. We're going to dive deeper into the lineup the next time we meet. Cody, thank you so much for joining us yet again here on Run Buncher Radio. It's been a pleasure having you on. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode but from here on out we're going to be with you guys two times a week as always you can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter on our social media and now on apple music as well be sure to check us out as well as all of the great articles and content that rumbunter produces every single day go check out cody marty and all of nick's latest work it's all great stuff for nick caparoso and marty leap my name is trey yanity thank you for listening let's go bucks Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.